Slate's Downton Abbey spoiler special is sponsored by Harry's, the new shaving company that offers German-engineered blades, well-designed handles, and shipping right to your door. Visit harrys.com and get $5 off your first order when you use the promo code DOWNTON. Slate Plus members get early access to our Downton Abbey spoiler specials this season, immediately following the broadcast on PBS. If you're not a Slate Plus member and you want early access, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash spoiler plus. Hello and welcome to a Slate Plus spoiler special for season five of Downton Abbey. And we are today going to be talking about episode four, we being me, June Thomas, and the great Seth Shrimpy Stevenson. Hello, Seth. So we've finally seen Shrimpy. We have Shrimpy. He's on the scene. He's Shrimpy's on the scene. And, and we remember that his nickname is an ironic one. Shrimpy has quite a presence. He really does. He's a large, imposing man. I actually even noticed the way he held his glass of brandy was even. Yes, me too. You noticed that he held yes, it by, yeah, by not the, the stem, but right. by the base of it. Yeah, right, right. It was somehow, I feel like I'm going to hold all my glasses that way now. I Shrimpy know. has deeply affected me. Shrimpy is a man of great charisma. He's also a man of great patience since he has lived for so long with the horrible Susan. But he's no longer in Bombay. We now call it Mumbai. He's <laughs> right. no longer there. And I felt that the Dowager Countess, again, the Dowager Countess is one of the characters on Downton who does surprise us mm, at times right. with her ability yes. to see the good in all and to like take, you know, she supported Branson when you might have thought she'd be the last person to support Branson. She sort of mm-hmm. took up with Branson and, and Edith and yes, exactly. And, and now Shrimpy, even though Shrimpy is not her blood relation, right. she still has a soft spot for Shrimpy, right. as do I now that I've met him. <laughs> who could not have a soft spot for Shrimpy? Shrimpy Flintshire. I would now like to be given the opposite nickname, Lofty. Lofty? Yes. <laughs> he is very, he's a lofty fellow. He's a lofty fellow. Something about his bearing, June. I just, we should all aspire to be. I shrimpy. agree. Can I, before we, yes. we've already, we're off and running. <laughs> yes. Because so much to talk about. But yes. can I just clarify something? Because we saw a great deal of ISIS in this episode. Yes. ISIS had more screen time than, yes. than ISIS generally gets. Is it the same ISIS, have I forgotten? Is this not ISIS 2? Because it's been 12 years <laughs> yes. since, as we know, Downton began the time of the Titanic in 1912. Right. But it's now 1924, 12 years later, and yet ISIS hasn't changed a hair. Yes, and that worries me. As the owner of a, a, a nearly 20-year-old cat, uh, I have some concerns about ISIS on that score. ISIS still bounding around. Keeping up with the landowners and the managers of the estate and all of that, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I mean, uh, this seems like something that Lord Fellows would be careful to get. I mean, this is a very regally, this is a regal golden lab. Exactly. And I feel like much like as with the cutlery, he would be accurate when it comes to matters of his Lord's pet patronage. (laughs) Is that a a word? Anyway, just something to think about. Uh, Yes, and I had that same concern. Shrimpy. (laughs) I really was struck this episode by how Rose, especially in her soup kitchen avatar, Mm. was very much like your beloved Sybil. Didn't she put you in mind of her? She stole my heart, June. (laughs) Uh, In the sense of being with the people and really just mucking in and just doing whatever is needed to help people in need. You make a very fair point. Do I need to take down my Lady Sybil poster (laughs) above my bed and put up my Lady Rose poster? I mean... You're right. She had no fear. She was there in that gloomy basement with those downtrodden, holy-shoed 
Russian refugees. Yes. And yes, you're right. I've grown to like Lady Rose after being such a flitty thing yes. when we first met her. She was an annoyance in her first manifestation. But now she seems to be on the right side of history. Yes. She made the argument for that wireless. Yes. <laughs> She's helping out the Russian aristocrats, although her reasons, let's let's not get crazy here, June. Her reasons are that she can identify with the aristocrats because they had such lovely dances. <laughs> And such, you know, beautiful bourgeois lives back in Russia before they were uprooted. And she identifies with that and fears her own comfortable existence being uprooted. And that is truly why she's helping them. If they had simply been peasant farmers from Jump Street and then they'd come to Britain, you know, would she really be as concerned for their well-being? No, she would not. But she is a young woman. She's not fully mature, which is nice because she still has a little bit of, I'm not innocence about her because... I don't know if that's quite the word, but she she hasn't become cynical and hardened by the world. And given that so many people on the show seem to have suffered that fate, there's something rather sweet about her at this moment for me. Yes, I like her. And I like the way she's, she has a nice way with people. Right, right. Speaking of which, yes. someone who does not have a nice way with people. Thomas. Well, I was going to say Miss Bunting, but let's talk about oh. Thomas first. So we're now another an entire episode past where we were last time when we when we speculated as to what choose your own path was. Right. And now we've got we've had a whole other episode with, with yeah. several curious scenes of Thomas and perhaps some sort of syringe, some sort of hypodermic, his works yeah. or something. Yeah. And, and, and a strange newspaper ad, and we still aren't totally clear what's going on. He's stealing spoons. Is he? Well, he stole spoons from oh, the kitchen at one point. Is he freebasing? What's happening? What is Thomas doing? Yeah. I was taken back to the season one thread of Mr. Bates doing his... Oh, the quackery. The quackery. You know, what is he stretching his injured leg or Some whatever it was. Some sort of metal contraption right. to straighten out his it leg. Right. seemed actually like a torture implement. And I still suspect that Thomas is somehow torturing himself because... Based on the things that you've described, it does sound like he's, you know, he's shooting up he's, or something. Yeah, he's uh, riding the, the horse or whatever it is. Yeah. But that probably wouldn't be advertised in the back of a respectable magazine with the headline, Choose Your Own Path. So I, I don't know, though, that it June. Is I mean, you know, therapy. the original Coca-Cola mm. had cocaine in it. At that time, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, you know, Sigmund Freud was a cocaine user. Who knows at that time? I'm not sure. I'd have to look up my drug history to know whether they get oh. figured out about heroin or not. But I still suspect that he's trying to cure his homosexuality because it does still seem like the sort of the thing that set him off on that path was Jimmy's words and Jimmy's sort of kindness. And yes, the path he is trying to choose yeah. um, of his own choosing. And yeah. yes, and there was some discussion when he was trying to justify that about himself and how there was something inside him that wasn't right. So I right. think it, it may yet settle on that. Well, we Miss Bunting, though. Miss Bunting. Oh. You know, as justified as she may be in her words, yes. one must learn you know, when you win an argument, be gracious about Quite. it. She had Lord Grantham dead to rights, you know, just point blank shot to the temple mm -hmm. when, when they brought Daisy up and mm -hmm. Daisy gave her that testimonial. She had won the argument. And if she had any sort of sense, yeah. she would have been very gracious at that moment in victory. And she might have won Lord Grantham over to her personally as a friend. Right. And she might have gone further towards changing his mind about some issues if she'd proven herself someone who could yeah. be socially gracious like that. But instead, she just stepped all over it, couldn't let it go, had to press on and put yeah. the foot on the throat. Yeah. She basically yelled, face! 
Yes, she did do that. And yeah, she... Boom goes the dynamite. That's right. (laughs) She has no ability whatsoever to read a room, or she does, and she just truly does want to goad them. I mean, it is a great motivation to épater les bourgeois, and they're more than bourgeois, so maybe she's just really into épatéing them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, she can go apate, you know, in the village, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Right. Get right. I do feel that this is a case where Fellows really just is being too hard. Like, he can't just allow this woman to be a positive presence. Right. He has to just give her this horrible streak, this horrible inability to be gracious, as you said. What a terrible snob he is. You can't just hear out the arguments of his sort of political, you know, those who disagree with him politically. He has, yeah, you're right. He has to turn them into these terrible people. He has to make them these social ogres. Right, (laughs) right. Even though he lets them sort of have their say a little bit. And once again, poor Branson, you know, she's embarrassing him. Exactly. Exactly. I've seen, you know, I've seen people like this at parties. And even when I agree with them, I'll be like, tone it down a little bit. Yeah. Although we'd rarely talk about, you know, revolutions. But. <laughs> yeah. It does feel too, you know, one of the threads that we've had in these last few episodes is about what you really should look for in a partner and how you're looking for the whole package. And it does, you know, as much as Miss Bunting kind of reminds Branson of who he used to be. He has matured. He has changed. He still is that revolutionary, but he's not a hater, as he's he's told Lord Grantham a couple of episodes ago. And she does kind of seem like she has some hatred and disdain. Yeah, it comes from, it's not like she simply wants to win the the battle of minds. Like she needs Mm -hmm. some sort of, it's like a personal, some kind of thing she needs to put out there. And she is quite fetching, but I think you're right. She's not the perfect person for Branson because he needs someone, I think, who can help him continue to change minds from the inside. Mm -hmm. Someone who can help him sort of bridge this gap between who he was and who he is and who he shall be and help turn the tide by, you know, being the person who can speak both languages and have a foot in both worlds. And maybe he can do the most good in that way. I feel like we saw that a little bit in his ability to compromise with Lord Grantham over Pip's Corner Mm -hmm. um, when he wanted to build sort of what sounded like a tract development of ugly modern houses. Houses. Maybe you can describe, maybe uh, as... A know, northerner. Yes, perhaps you can give us a little local flavor. What would those ugly modern houses have looked like had they been erected? You know, I'm not really sure because typically the, the kind of development that they're talking about when I grew up, which is a few decades later than that, would have been, you know, council houses, just, you know, a very standard house. But actually, you know, the fact is that they had mod cons because they were a later construction so that while they might have been ugly and might have despoiled the countryside, you know, maybe they might have had an inside toilet, for example, which certainly, you know, that wouldn't have been the case for the villagers otherwise. I mean, the Druze are not using an indoor lavatory. Right. Maybe I should have Wikipedia 1924 <laughs> British construction standards <laughs> right. um, before we came to this podcast. But yeah, I mean, and Lord Grantham, again, I have to give him some credit as much yeah. as I'm loath to do so. Lord Grantham was right because yes. he's trying 
to kill two birds with one stone. He's trying. He's allowing some development. He sees that he can't just hang on to this land forever, and development would be for the best, but he's trying to develop in the right way. Mm-hmm. And look at him. He's like a new urbanist. He's going to like create walkable neighborhoods. <laughs> he's going he's to have... He's a, the Jane Jacobs of the North Riding. Street-level interests, critical regionalism. He wants sure. housing that fits into the local aesthetics. I mean, he's 100% right here. So way to go, Lord Grantham. And I look forward to watching the development of Pip's Corner in future <laughs> Over the episodes. Years. That's right. In season 10, they'll have all moved into, you know, two up, two down uh, <laughs> in Pip's Corner. Okay, we're going to take a quick break now to tell you about this week's sponsor. Slate's Downton Abbey spoiler special is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's makes razors, blades, and shaving creams and gels. You order them online, you don't have to go to the drugstore, and you don't have to pay drugstore prices. Now, Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, If you want that Lord of the Manor look, that clean-shaven, high-society, peerage look, you're going to need to shave, and you're going to want to shave with Harry's razors. Or perhaps you're a lady. You're a lady of the manor, and you would like your lord to be perhaps a bit more clean-shaven than he is right now, get him the Harry's Starter Pack, and uh, he will be looking just like, uh, insert your uh, most handsome Downton Abbey Lord here. Harry's Starter Kit is just $15. That includes the razor, three blades, and your choice of Harry's shave cream or foaming shave gel. And to entice you as an added bonus, you can get $5 off your first purchase with our code, which is Downton. After using that code, you can get an entire month's worth of shaving for just $10. Again, the code is Downton, D-O-W-N-T-O-N. I have used Harry's products myself. It is a quality razor. The blades are German engineered. It gave me a great shave. So you can get their starter kit for just $15. Go to harrys.com now and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in our code Downton with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com and enter the coupon code Downton for $5 off and start shaving smarter today. We had a lot this week about romance. I don't know about you, but I was very taken by Lord Merton's just kind of forceful, but also very respectful, very like that guy. He is he is the real deal. He's the full package. Yes, Isabel should definitely take that offer. He didn't even touch her physically. He did right. not he did not touch her. Even as they parted ways, he did not touch her, but he touched her heart. He did. And it was it was a beautiful, eloquent speech, and he truly did sweep her. He swept her off her feet. I mean, mm-hmm. she was she had come in thinking one way, and the eloquence of his speech really turned her. And, you know, it was interesting. You said there was a lot of love, and I think a lot of it was about the emergence of the love marriage, the mm-hmm. love match, mm-hmm. not the marriage that's about melding two families or the marriage that's about filling the coffers that right. have been emptied. It was about the love match, and that was the case for Lady Mary. That was the case with Lord Merton and Isabel. It was the emergence of this new kind of marriage. Well, and we also saw the kind of tension that that can create, though, because Violet, the Dowager Countess, talked about how Prince Thingamajig, as <laughs> as, as I think Lord Grantham calls him. I think him. of him as the creepy costume store owner in Eyes Wide Shut. That's, all, that's <laughs> every time I see him. He's like the dad of Lily Sobieski, who's sort of pimping her right. out to Tom Cruise. <laughs> Indeed. So I was shocked when Granny, when Violet, the Dowager Countess, allowed that back in the day... Not only had he been a handsome prince, 
but also that he had asked her to run away with him, and she seemed to have been sorely tempted. And it was not even clear if she may have done more than that. She well, claims faulty memory, yes. but well. I feel like that memory is a steel trap. The <laughs> Countess doesn't forget a thing. She doesn't miss a trick. She does not. But we also heard that what swayed her, what kind of persuaded her to stay with the previous Lord Grantham, was that he gave her a framed picture of the two children we now know to be Robert and Lady Rosamond. So if those two specimens uh, would keep her with him. Um, but so the appeal to family that he was, he kind of revealed his true heart that he'd been hiding under all his British sort of... Yes, but to family, an obligation and duty more than romance right. or love even. Right. I mean, well, familial love, right. love of children. But there was an interesting line she had about how he hid his qualities under a blanket of convention. Right. And I was trying to think about that for the current Lord Grantham, whether he hides his qualities under a blanket of convention. But I don't think so. I think sort of like he's at his best when convention forces him to be a polite person. And when left to his own devices, he's just like a horrible, selfish person. Yeah. When he cast aside the blanket of convention this episode, it was both very awkward and and just generally uncomfortable and unattractive. And I think... As much as I can't get the posh nosh sort of Richard E. Grant out of my head, I am starting to think that Cora should at least give Mr. Bricker, is it? Mr. Bricker. Uh, some consideration if he should also ask her to run away with him. I mean, it's in a very limited kind of setting. It's not a very real kind of life that he's offering her. It's just some flirtation, some twinkling. But he but respects her mind. He respects and her mind. And when have we seen Lord Grantham and Lady Cory interact in a way that was anything other than sort of, you know, comfortable old shoe, mm-hmm. oh, you. And we never see them having really interesting conversations or like a sparkling yep. debate or yep. anything like that. It's always her tolerating him, almost in a condescending way sometimes, like he's a little kid. Right. She's got an entirely different um, interaction. All of her interactions with Mr. Bricker are of a much different nature. It's really nice to see Cora have that sort of thrill. It brings out something very pleasant and attractive in her, I think. Until Lord Grantham gives her uh, a triptych photo frame and there's then Sybils in it too. Which will remind her that they almost split up when she was so upset with him because she at the time felt that he had killed Sybil by his refusal to allow her to receive medical treatment or a specific kind of medical treatment. God, and what so, moron. What yeah. A moron is. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not suggesting that their family is in peril, but I think maybe in a different era, we are seeing that maybe, you know, if a few more years had passed and then perhaps she might have left him and maybe that would have been a good thing, in fact. Now, what do we think? We talked earlier about Lady Mary and Mr. Blake and the lithe and supple Lord Gillingham. Mm -hmm. What do we think now? It's sort of an interesting thing where Lord Gillingham is accusing Mary of leading him down the primrose path. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you decided to sleep with me, but only because we knew we were going to get married. Well, why? I'm very confused by the whole thing, June. Why was it so important for him to sleep with her before marriage if he felt this is a done deal, we're getting married. I mean, I understood she saw it right. as a testing ground. Right. But I guess he didn't see it that way. So did he just want to jump the gun? He just couldn't wait that long? He just wanted to have this sort of scandalous outing because it was going to be fun? Seth, Seth, no. I think that, I must say, I do find him somewhat confusing. And maybe it is that I too have been incepted 
by the other chap, Julian Ovenden, that now I'm thinking, God, he's a bit thick, isn't he? But I think that what happened was that he was in love with Mary. He wanted to marry her. He knew that she she just wasn't quite sure and she needed a bit of rumpy to just kind of to see if if they were suited in that way. And he just assumed that when they were and when he did, you know, keep her up all night, you know. That was that, that he'd sealed the deal. Yeah. And what do we think? It's still unclear to me what changed for her because it, it did not appear to be the rumpy. She, no, she, she seemed, seemed to quite be, satisfied. She did seem satisfied. So if it wasn't that and if going into it, she had sort of suggested that that was the final thing she needed to tick off to figure out that, uh, that this was a proper match. What was it? It was just she just got bored or something. I'm coming around to your side on Lady Mary. Jean. I have to say Lady Mary flits about. The winds take her where they will. And in her wake, she's just a careless person. In her yes. wake, she leaves broken hearts, damaged people, and she gives very little thought to them. I think you're quite right in that. And the only thing I can think is that she had kind of cast aside Mr. Blake. She had broken his heart. And then I think maybe seeing him and hearing his view of Tony, even just the stimulation, you know, back with Matthew, she always enjoyed as much the sort of the verbal sparring and, and that, did, the repartee. You know, the repartee. But now, I'm now so suspicious of Lady Mary that I almost think it was seeing that his heart had not been broken was like, well, oh, I didn't finish the job. <laughs> I did not successfully wound this man mortally. Mm-hmm. I need to go back and finish him. I need to go back and prove that I can break his heart horribly. I almost feel like that's where we're headed now. Wow. That's She's dinner. become a dark figure in my she imagination. Yes. Really yeah. Uh, well, we'll see, I guess. I am worried, very worried now about Lady Edith. Not only is she cut off from Marigold and sort of very bad news which we know can only be bad news from Germany in 1924. I mean, some brown shirts, brown shirted men. There's really never any good news going to come out of that. That, I mean, come on, give the woman a break. I mean, it, it kind of hurts me that they mess quite so much with Lady Edith. I mean, this is a woman who's been left at the altar who has, you know, just suffered again like endless again. indignities over and over and over again. Like, just give her some slack. It's too much now. I loved when after Lord Grantham stormed away from the dinner table after the provocations of Miss Bunting and the way the Dowager Countess covers it up and moves the conversations along by turning to Edith and saying, Edith, tell me about your very interesting columns. <laughs> exactly. So I'd kind of, I'd not forgotten because she did talk about her income, which... <laughs> Times have changed, haven't they? But, you know, her income from her, her freelance she, writing. She's getting paid enough from her freelance columns to support a child? Oh, my God. How is that? That makes sense. I think Lord Fellows has a very skewed view of how. I mean, we must remember that it used to be a noble and much better paid profession. I suppose, but the economics of content creation have never <laughs> been that fabulous, have they? Mm, I don't know. Not but... when you're writing, quote, unquote, very interesting columns. <laughs> About the same thing over and over and over. Oh, wait, no, that's that's Okay. <laughs> Let's not suggest that that's not a good thing. Yeah, I just cut her some slack. Can Edith not be happy at least for a few moments? Why won't Granny just let her 
let it all hang out. And I mean, surely Granny at this age, she's seen it all. Can't she just, I mean, she's going to keep a mother apart from her daughter just for the sake of appearance. She's willing to maintain her friendship with Shrimpy, even Mm -hmm. though it harms the family's image to a certain extent. She's going to keep her great granddaughter away from her granddaughter simply for the sake of appearance. I mean, that is cruel. It is. But then I guess like... What could Edith do? Would Lord Grantham have this child, this illegitimate child, in the house? Because he's not going to set Edith up in her own... You know, it just feels like as much as Edith's heartbreak is hard to look at, it's not really clear in that time what the alternative might be. Because even though she is this hella successful freelance writer... It's not quite clear that she could set up an entire menage based on that income. Here's my thought. I mean, because it would be a true shock to Lord Grantham and Lady Cora. You would take really great pleasure in that. Uh, I would enjoy I mean, I think I feel like the rules of drama <laughs> require that they eventually do learn this secret because Please what God. a scene that will be. Yeah. But, I mean, perhaps it would be best if Edith just stole the child, absconded to America to live with Lady Cora's mother, mm. Mrs. Madame Levinson, mm-hmm. and raise the child in the sewers of America. With then, an America? As an American? <laughs> the Levinsons are there. The child can be a Jew. The child <laughs> Everything will be great. That's really going to help Mr. Gregson <laughs> up in 1924 <laughs> Germany. I think you're seeing this story through rose-tinted glasses, which we rarely get an opportunity to enjoy. But, you know, as always, we'll see. I just want to tell you one thing, Seth. You are the first footman. That was I, I. That was a terrible storyline, June. Terrible. When the pizzicato plucking vi- violin strings start up, and poor Mosley <laughs> has to do his first foot. That was awful. Well, may you have to do all the tasks of a first, second, and third footman in the week between now and when we meet again, Shrimpy. <laughs> Thank you, Lofty. <laughs> Thank you.